I've just got this phrase I want to launch out there that I wrote down this afternoon, and then we'll see what happens. The key to walking in the fullness of your destiny is to grab hold of God's promises in your life. I'll read that again for you. The key to walking in the fullness of your destiny is to grab hold of God's promises in your life. That's what I want to talk about tonight. This morning as I spoke, I shared a, um, a bit about Jacob. Jacob was the central theme of my message this morning uh, from Genesis 48 when he releases a paternal, patriarchal blessing over his grandsons. And I, I, I indicated a little bit that the original language says that Jacob worshipped as he, he bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. He's an old man. And there's that picture of him doing what God's called him to do, but just bowing in reverence and awe for the Lord God Almighty, El Shaddai, who had been so good to him throughout his life. But where did he get that from? Where did did Jacob learn that? Well, in Genesis 28, 20 chapters earlier, many, many years earlier, before Jacob had been on that journey, Jacob was a young man on his way to his um, uncle's place to to find a wife, basically. That's what his uh, mum sent him away to do. And at the place called Bethel, he has a dream, a revelation, an encounter with God. And he wrestles with God. And he wrestles all night. And he says to the guy who's wrestling, turns out it's an angel, uh, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. That's the kind of picture I've got for tonight. Jacob is a young man wrestling taking hold of that which would confront him and not being willing to let it go until he connected with the blessing of God. That's the kind of picture I've got for tonight, for all of us. We're just going to see where it goes. But in my experience in working with people, um, helping to activate them in their calling and their faith, is uh, it's not easy. Not easy at all. I mean, I know that I've wrestled with my destiny in order to see God's favor come into my world, and it's an ongoing journey. And I've got a couple of things I want to talk about tonight in that area. That's probably the best way to demonstrate that is for Pete to come and uh, bring the prop, literally. And uh, let's do a demonstration down here. Pass me the ball. So, and so we all know what this is, eh? We're Kiwis, most of us. What's this? Okay. All right. So Peter's quite, quite, quite athletic. You know. Sure, quiet in the cheap sheets. So anyway, if I was to pass this ball to Pete and you purposely were to knock it on, what would that look like? Like that. Okay. No health and safety officers here. Okay, Reese, you can come and help me with this next one, okay? But because <laughs> now he's angry. <laughs> but here's here's the thing. One of the things that happens in a rugby game when you get the ball passed to you is sometimes it gets knocked on. 
a fumble. Didn't go so well for you, did it? No. Okay. Well, here's the other thing that happens in rugby. I'm just going to step out of the way for this. Because the other thing that can happen in rugby is a player, like a hooker, fast and furious, has the ball. And another player, the opposition, would like to come and take the ball off him. Which he attempts gracefully. Okay, try and wrestle the ball off him. Wrestle the ball. Wrestle the ball. Take the ball. Take the ball. Okay, all right. No one, no one needs to get hurt. Okay. Because <laughs> I know someone's going to pop a foo-foo valve in a minute. Okay. All right, give me the ball. I'll hit the ball. Boys. Whew, flip. That was tiring. Thank you for participating. But the second example that I want to give tonight is that sometimes when we're carrying the ball, it gets wrestled away from us. And I want to address those two things tonight, which I consider would be probably the most common hindrances for you taking hold of God's promises in your life. You fumble it accidentally, or it gets wrestled away from you. So I want to talk about that. So let's look at the Bible. So uh, if you've got your Bibles, an assumption... Exodus chapter 17. Exodus, Exodus is the book, the story of the Exodus, which is the leaving of God's people, the Israelites, who were in Egypt as captives. So what happened was they ended up there, um, and by God's plan, they ended up there. But actually what happened is they got, uh, they got real hungry because there was no food, and they sold themselves to Pharaoh as slaves. That's the short version of the story. And so they're in Egypt, and they cry, and they whine to God, and eventually he says, I hear you, and I'm going to set you free. And that's what we read at the beginning of the book of Exodus. And so they, the, the crazy thing is, long story, but they march out of Egypt with all of the gold, and they head through the Red Sea. That's a cool story to read. But then what happens is, I think it's Exodus 14, God says to the Israelites, don't panic. Don't run. I'm going to show you how awesome I am. And the very first battle they face in Exodus chapter 17, you can read about it, is a battle against the Amalekites. The Amalekites come to take them out. And this is not a good thing. So let me tell you a little bit about that battle. The Amalekites are the descendants of the tribe or the the large community that come from Amalek. That's how they got their name. Amalekites, if you write it out, it's shortened to come from Amalek. Amalek is a descendant of Esau. Esau. All right? So who is Esau? Esau, sounds like Eeyore, doesn't it? Esau is the first son of Jacob, the grandson of Abraham. Do you remember the story? Jacob had... Two sons, Esau and, no, Isaac had two sons. I'm getting confused. Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob, right? And so there's two, two brothers. And these guys, the Amalekites, are the descendants of Esau. Now, what does Esau represent? Esau represents the effort of the flesh in order to see God's promises. Because he was the natural firstborn son of Isaac, but he was not chosen by God for the blessing to flow through from the promises, okay? 
was in fact his brother Jacob who deceived him and received the blessing. So we've got this crazy thing going on between these two brothers where you read about it, the story is where Esau's like really unhappy that one, he gave it away, he got tricked, and then he's got no, no legacy uh, in line with Abraham's promises. And so we've got four generations of bitterness and hatred against Jacob and his descendants who are now called the Israelites. And so the Amalekites rise up and they say, we're going to take out God's promised people. They think they're special. We're going to wipe them out. And we read later on that they came around the back of the Israelites to attack the weak ones at the back to try and penetrate the, the, um, the community of the Israelites from the back and completely wipe them out. This is the very first battle that the Israelites faced after they left Egypt. The very first time something happens, it has significance. So what is the significance in this battle? The significance is this. Sometimes the first battle that you face on way to your destiny is the battle against your natural order, your man, or yourself. It's the battle against self, and that's the fumble that we saw Pete so eloquently uh, present to us, the knock-on. All right? So you've got to be really careful when you are walking towards your destiny. And it's, it's so common for us to, to make mistakes. It's so common for us to try and th- do things in our own effort. But it's a, it's a battle that we've, over got to, we've got to overcome it. So we, we, we know for me, what that means is when I'm walking towards things that God's promised me and I can see it, my tendency, unfortunately, because I'm a doer, is to get stuck in and say, all right, God, I'll give you a hand, I'll help out. I roll my sleeves up and I get in and I totally mess it up. Because I'm trying to do things in the natural order instead of the, the spiritual order, which is God's timing and God's providence working to make things happen in my world. Does that make sense? So what I want to do tonight is I'm, I'm creating a platform for God to work with each one of us, but one of those areas I felt was the, the knock-on. If you feel like you've, you've done something wrong and stuffed up, you've like, man, I made a mistake, I got out of trouble, I became friends with the wrong crowd, or I've made some really bad choices lately, or you're doing what I would do and trying to make God ha- make it happen. That's called a fumble. That's called a knock on. And today, tonight, I want to create an opportunity for that to be restored and repaired because God is full of grace. God is full of love. And he is always willing to redeem and restore those who would submit themselves before him and ask for forgiveness. Does that make sense? But having a a fumble or a knock-on is just normal in life. So I want to create a platform for that. I want to make a platform for us to uh, be able to continue to walk forward, to grab hold of the ball again. Even though we knocked it on, God says, look, you know what? God says, I'm going to pick it up again because of what Jesus did. I'm going to get him to give it to you so you can run with the ball again. Okay? That's one of, the, one of the key things I wanted to address tonight. And I want to make sure we've all got the opportunity uh, to do that. The second, second example that we had up here with uh, my other lovely assistant, slightly more burly and muscular, uh, was Reese, And there was the, the wrestling away of the ball, the, the taking of the ball. And whilst I'd ho- I was hoping he, you know, he would prevail, but there was no stripping of the ball. But in rugby, it's quite common. You see it, a guy to go into a tackle and for the, the other player to get their arm around the ball, and for them to rip it away. And what that represents, I believe, is life circumstances where 
we come under attack as a strategy of the enemy in order to steal from us our destiny. Because the truth is, we live in a world that is both physical and spiritual, and there's a spiritual battle for not only for your souls, but for your destiny. And if the enemy can distract you, if he can trick you or deceive you, then he can quite easily rob you of your destiny. I want to talk about that tonight. I want to create an opportunity for any instance where that has happened for things to be restored so that you can carry the ball again. Does make sense? 1 Kings chapter 21. There's another story I wanted to talk about tonight. 1 Kings 21 is the story of a guy called Naboth. Naboth. That's a cool name, eh? Anyone want to name their son Naboth? It's like weird, eh? But that's his name. And he's a, he's a good Hebrew boy, Jewish boy. And uh, he lives in the kingdom, in the place of a very evil king called King Ahab. King Ahab has a tricky wife that you may have heard about before. Her name is Jezebel, crafty and deceitful lady. Naboth has this vineyard. It's a beautiful piece of land. It's quite close to the palace on the right side of the hill to get good sun for good crops. King Ahab says to himself as he looks out his window, he goes, Yeah, you know what? I'd quite like that vineyard to be part of my estate. And so I think I'm going to obtain that vineyard. And uh, so he goes to Naboth. You can read the story in 1 Kings 21. He goes to Naboth and he says, okay, so I would like to buy your vineyard off you. You want to do a transaction. And what, what I love is Naboth's response. Before I tell you that, because it's a negative response, let me, let me fast forward the story so you know how it ends. Uh, not so well. So Naboth refuses. I'll talk about the refusal in a minute. Ahab gets like this pity party going on, sucks his thumb, has a tantrum, goes home, says to his wife, oh my goodness, I'm so upset. Turns over, goes to sleep in his bed. This is the king, right? And his wife's like, grow up, man. What are you doing? And he's like, oh, he won't sell me his vineyard. And his wife goes, don't you worry, I'll sort it out. And she devises a scheme of deception. And she gets people to falsely accuse Naboth of dishonoring the king. So they literally pick him up by his ears, drag him outside, and stone him to death. Well, now that he doesn't own his vineyard, Ahab's able to buy it. Because who's going to stand in his way? Right? So he has his vineyard stolen from him. All right? Outside of his control. So like in the rugby example, what happens is the ball gets stripped away. And we're left not carrying our purpose or our destiny anymore because someone stole it from us. The reason I love that story, though, the reason I love that story is even though it didn't stop it happening, what I want each of us to take encouragement from is Naboth's response when um, Ahab asks for the vineyard. It's in the third verse of 1 Kings 21. He says to, him, to, to the king, so, so get this, this is the king of the nation coming to a man who owns some land saying, hey, I'd like to buy it, and he refuses. Like this king, you don't do that. And what I love about that picture is, is a couple of things. One is the fact that he refuses. He says this. He says, The Lord forbid it me that I should give unto you my father's inheritance. He defies the king 
because he's not willing to hand over the inheritance and the blessing that he's received from his father, which if you listen to this morning's message, is God's model for blessing to flow through. He says, I will defy the king. So with, here's how one, one um, scholar writes it, with, with much fear of the Lord and little fear of man, he defies and refuses the king. You've got to have guts to do that. You've got to be pretty determined that this is your destiny to defy the king. And as we read, because of the craftiness and the deception of Jezebel, he ended up dead anyway. When you read that story, and I encourage you to read it this week, you'll discover that it didn't end so well for Ahab or Jezebel. It's a bit of a gross story. I encourage you to have a read of it if you like blood and guts. But, but here's the second, you know, this is the, the second part that I wanted to, to address tonight is, is I, think it's, I, I think it's all too common for us to get caught up in a wrestling match like we saw going on here and for the ball literally to be stripped away, not because we did nothing wrong, but because the enemy is crafty and is going to do everything he can to rob you of your God-given destiny. And the truth is, sometimes the ball gets stripped. And you're left standing there going, well, that hurt. Now what do I do? And what I want to do tonight is I want to create a platform for every single one of us that feel like we've been in that position where we've had the ball stripped away for us to stand before God, not to repent, but to ask Him to bring a restoration of His promise and His destiny for our future so that we can run with the ball again. Because I think that's what we're called to do. If I come back to my phrase that I wrote down here, the key to walking in the fullness of your destiny is to grab hold of God's promises in your life. And ultimately, that's what I want to let loose tonight. What I love about the, the, the second set that the band did was the way they set it up for us. You know, what's the line of your first line of your tag, bro? I just... How blessed is this life you've given to me? We stand before God like Jacob did, worship him as El Shaddai, and we say, how blessed is this life? You see, our attitude, our position, our posture before God Almighty should be that I will worship you because I am blessed, and that is not determined by my circumstances. That's tough, man. When life kicks you in the guts, or someone else stabs you in the back, or... Dude turns up and robs the ball off you. You can be like, well, life's like not so good for me right now. But in order to step into and walk in the fullness of God's promises in your life, I'm proposing that we say, how blessed is this life that you've given to me? And my attitude in that is I'm willing to say that with every ounce of my being, agreeing with it, regardless of what my life looks like today. How blessed is this life you've given to me. Amazing. Amazing. We're going to do that shortly. If I can get the band to come back, actually, let's get started. And then the second thing they did, that, that last song, Oceans, you know, for us, to, for us to step into the destiny God's got for us is it's kind of scary a bit, though. It's like, in the, as in the song, Peter walking on the water. It's like, well, let me go to that place where my, my faith is without borders. Let me walk upon the water. Like, whoa, 
scary, like that's not easy. But that's what walking in God's promises is like. That's the way God designed it. Pastor Sharon and I were talking about this this week, and he's like, I was like, well, I haven't actually got answers to some of those questions. And he's like, well, isn't that what faith looks like? And I was like, oh, yeah. You say yes, even though you don't necessarily know how. Does that make sense? So what we're doing is we're building a platform where we can respond in an environment of faith where we don't know the answers, but we know God is calling us. Because for you to run with the ball in the fullness of the promises that God's got for every single one of you, it's going to require faith. It's going to require running when you don't necessarily know everywhere you're going. It's going to require stepping into situations where you, you are absolutely certain you don't have the answers to the questions. But you've got a conviction that God's called you into that moment and that he's prepared you for something that is far greater than you could even imagine. That's what I want to release tonight. It's what I want each one of us to have the opportunity to grab hold of again. As I'm saying this, I'm mindful of the fact that some people may feel like, very very genuinely and honestly feel like they don't yet know what God's promises are for their life. If that's you tonight, then I want you to respond to seek what God's promises would be. Because we're going to have a prophetic team up here who will be more than willing to stand in a place of vulnerability and faith to ask heaven to release promises over your life. And that's what we call a prophetic word. If you're not sure what that is, or you feel like you dropped the ball a long time ago and can't remember, then stand before God. And God is a God of love and grace who willingly restores those things that have been lost to a son or a daughter who is willing to submit to Him. That's what we've got an opportunity for tonight. If you feel like you've you've knocked the ball on like Peter showed us and you've you've done something wrong, you've made some dumb mistakes and you've fumbled the ball and and that the consequence of that is that you now no longer have the ball in your hand. If that's you tonight, this altar becomes a place of repentance where God will if, if your heart is pure before him, he promises to forgive. And in a place of repentance, flows restoration of the keys that God's got for you. If you feel like you've had the ball stripped away from you by others or the tactics of the enemy, then come. And I know that God is a good Father who would love to pick the ball back up and put it in your hands, that you would run and run the race well, that you would run it with every sense of purpose, every sense of focus, and every ounce of faith that's available to you to move into that future that He has for you. Why don't you stand? Why don't you stand? So what I want to do now is I want the band to lead us in that tag, if you can do that. And I want, I want us to, I, I think what's, what I love about what Aram's given us tonight as a gift is that when we, when we sing this song, how blessed is this life you've given to me? How blessed is this life you've given to us? We are choosing to position ourselves before God in praise. And your phrase was praise, thanksgiving is warfare. And so what that means, guys, is when I choose 
to take an attitude of thanksgiving before God and declare how blessed I am regardless of my circumstances. I am warring in the spiritual realm and I am breaking open the, the, the gates of heaven over my life in order that I will receive the goodness that He has for each one of us. You can choose to do that by following the band in that song. And as you do that, I believe God, the Spirit of God is going to come upon you and call you out and call out the promises and the destiny in your life. And as you step out in boldness, as you step out in that place of unknowing, of faith, God is going to respond and He is going to restore to you your destiny. He is going to release new promises in your life and He is going to give you much, much more than you could ask or think or imagine because He is a good, good God. Let's do this right now.